Hey, Jenny. Hi, Math. Welcome back. I'm so excited to be back. Happy fucking New Year, friend. Happy New Year, friend, and Happy New Year to you too, Rebellion. Happy Season 3! Happy Season 3! We're very excited to start Season 3 in this new year. Uh, We have really exciting news. First, we have a new producer, and so we're going to be getting new episodes. We are so grateful to all of you for being so patient. Thank you so and thank you so much for everybody that emailed, sent carrier pigeons, sent telepathic messages. We really appreciate it. Thank you so, so much, community. We love the support. Thank yes, you. Yes, we appreciate all your ongoing support through this process. We hated being away from you for so long. We've been thinking of you constantly, yearning for you, our beloveds. And now here we are back again, ready to rock. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, you're going to be getting much more of us in your ear holes very soon. And we're really excited to start the third season. Yes. Ah! Yes. So very few notes before we jump into the episode, but we had a couple things. Number one, we have some new fun action over on our Patreon. Oh, <gasps> Jenny. Uh, you say we have fun action on our Patreon. What, pray tell, is this yes. fun action? So while we've been sitting around, biding our time, waiting for a new producer, I started a new fun bonus activity on the Patreon called Story Hour with Princess Jenny. What? I that sounds so cool. reading classic queer novels to our patrons twice a week, starting with Ruby Fruit Jungle. Oh, that is a classic queer novel. One of the most iconic queer novels of the 20th century. I mean, there are plenty of iconic queer novels, but this sure, is sure. this is a very iconic queer novel of the 20th century. We take our responsibility as queer elders very seriously. And, you know, y'all need to know your history. And this is a good place to start. And I have a whole list of fantastic queer novels that we are going to read together. So and this is for all patrons at all levels. Yeah, so if you wanna if you wanna de- delve into queer literary history with Princess Jenny's Story Hour, please shoot us some cash at our Patreon. I love this. Yes, I love this. I'm yes. so excited. And of course, we're still doing live watches with all of our five dollar and up patrons, and live chats with all of our ten dollar and up patrons. And just hanging out on the Discord, which is pretty rad. Yes, and all of our patrons are on the Discord. We love chatting there. Um, one of the chats we were just having recently was about um, separating the art from the artist and whether you can. That one was around Joss Whedon, because as we all know now, Joss Whedon is a trash human. He's a trash human. But we and still, as you made Meph and I still love Buffy. We love Buffy. We really do. So these we have all of these great conversations and fun jokes and just like really cool people. We talk so, about our lives. We give each other fanfic recommendations. It's super fun. It's super so fun. So if you if you want to join us over on our Discord, listen to new Princess Jenny recordings of queer historic novels, but not historic queer novels. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe we don't know. Sign up and Please. see. Sign up and see. You can find our, our Patreon at HeyAdoraCast. That is patreon.com slash HeyAdoraCast. And you can find us everywhere at HeyAdora.gay. Jenny, are you ready to delve into the price of power? Oh, yes, Meth. I am so ready. I was born ready. Let's get Me- to this shit. Let's get to this. Woo! Woohoo! Hey folks, and welcome to Hey Adora, your queer she podcast. I'm Force Captain Math, they them. 
And I am Princess Jenny, she, her. And today we are recording live together for the first time Yay! in my basement. We're in the same room. We're in the same room. We're making meaningful eye contact with each yes, other. Yes, we are. We're on the same side of the country. I know. This is great. We don't have to coordinate things. We're in the same time zone. We're in the same time zone, and we're here to talk about the same episode. Yay! Today's episode is The Price of Power. Season the, three, episode one. Season three, episode one is the first episode of season three. It, it was written by Shane Lynch, directed by Steve Cooper, storyboard by Mandy Clotworthy, Gus Corrales, Oliver Malrick, and Charlemagne Coe. Nice. Nice. Jenny. It's been quite a while. It's been quite a while. But summer summer was very busy for both of us. We both had epic summers and we're really excited to get back here and be in your ear holes and gay scream. Yes, we are. Just hopefully not like to blow out your yes, ears. Yes. We believe in ear health. We believe in ear health and ear holes. And ear holes. Yes. You so, want to get started in Adora's bedroom? Let's get started. When last we left Adora's bedroom, Shadow Weaver was standing menacingly over her while she slept. What? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? All I know is that Adora sleeps in boxer shorts and one of those like skinny like tank 90s spaghetti strap tank tops super super 90s which i love because for me that totally represents like my little gender niche of like boy shorts on the bottom girly spaghetti strap tank top on top Aww. that 100 percent reflects my heart yeah I, I love it that does kind of wrap your gender up really nicely yeah, i love because that because i'm often wearing like tomboy x bottoms and a victoria's secret bra so on tomboy x if you're listening we love your stuff and we will sell it for although you. i have heard i don't know if this is true so i'm okay. not saying it's true but i have heard from a lot of people that they misgender their models huh. so if that's true that's bad that is so that's tbd if you know anything about it give us the deets okay moving on back to adora in her sleepwear of choice back to adora in her sleepwear of choice shadow weaver has been standing over her all summer break that's waiting a, for something ominous to happen. That's a really long time. Yes. Um, so what's going to happen, Mef? Well, she, you know, poor hypervigilant Adora just like jumps out of bed with her sword next to her. Right. I thought she had a pillow dagger, but I guess she's like sleeping with both nowadays. Yeah. I mean, the sword is probably right next to the bed. It's probably not under the pillow, but it's ready for her to grab at a moment's notice. Yeah. Probably she, at all times. In case she has to shira up. Yeah. You never know when that shit's going to go down. You never know. You never know. So we have Sh uh, Shadow Weaver coming in, you know, croaking Adora's name. Adora. Oh, and then good. collapses. Yeah. So it was a fake out. It, she wasn't really being menacing. She was creeping in with her last ounce of strength before collapsing dramatically because we all know that shadow weaver is the most dramatic bitch in town wonderfully extra we love we, we love the extraness of shadow weaver not so much shadow weaver yeah we love the extraness and, and then we get some credits 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 we're gonna win in the end do they win in the end probably probably we don't know tbd tbd most likely it's that kind of show it's that kind of show so and then we get back to Bright Moon's hallway where we've Queen got our favorite mom and auntie combo. I love them. So we have we have a little walk and talk from them, mm -hmm. which is lovely. We've got Queen Angie and Auntie Casta, oh, auntie Casta walking with who I presume to be the head guard, although it's not named in the script. 
Yeah, I think it's I one think, of the guards. Yeah, I think we we should presume that it's the head guard. Juliet, Juliet, the head guard. We love her. We love Juliet with the side Save shave. Double the guard and triple it in this place and whatever, quadruple it in this other place. No one sleeps until we figure out how Shadow Weaver got in here, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Until Casta asks, "Why are we stopping here?" Well, it's the prison. This, this, this is the prison. Well, I mean, it's the spare room, but. It'll work, right? They took out the pillows. Most of the pillows. Most of the pillows. So, <laughs> yeah, so this is the beginning of a great running gag that Bright Moon does not know the meaning of austerity, which is wonderful. Yeah, and also, like, it's, it feels like Bright Moon is kind of on the prison, abol- prison abolitionist track, which, yeah. go Bright Moon. Yeah, because, yeah. like, they've been through a war before. Right. And, they, and they, still, they don't have a prison. Or... Bright Moon takes no prisoners. Or that. <laughs> Which but is, but know, they didn't kill Shadow Weaver. They didn't kill Shadow Weaver. In fact, they put her, you know, in this, you know. Spare room with no cushions. Spare room with no cushions. But right. otherwise, you know, I feel like it's probably, it's well lit. Yes. You it's, know. it's a very nice room. Shadow Weaver later herself will confirm that. So for now, we've got the situation. Adora starts freaking out because she wants to talk to Shadow Weaver. Which, I mean, makes sense. But, you know, Queen Angie's like, nah, don't don't go near her. She's dangerous. We know what she does to you. Queen Mom is acting like a mom. Bless. 100%, which Adora has never experienced before. And she gets it, right? She says, I'm not going to let her back into your head. None of you. To all the kids. I'm Mm. not letting her near any of you. She's dangerous. She's manipulative. She plays head games. I am protecting you, my children, from this dangerous manipulator yeah and you know but they're but mom snip but mom snip (laughs) don't do it don't do it yes yes so and then commences a hilarious series of poorly planned hijinks where inadora tries to get into the prison and Bo and glimmer have to stop her i love these it's like oh hey look over there dumbass i guess i'll go to bed now oh very dumb does and my last note for that scene is Adora, you dumb lesbian. Yeah. Yeah, this, this, that checks out. I just have a Dora, dumbass Adora once again just charging in head first. What could possibly go wrong? Well, yeah. Adora, it's not going to work, dude. Yeah. Yeah. You forgot that your friend can teleport. She can grab you in midair and teleport you out of there. Yeah. Making a run for it is just not going to work out. Not going to work out. Yeah. So we, you know, we cut to our... Uh, Bright Moon prison, yes. prison room, well-lit prison room. We've got a great, creepy POV opening shot of Shadow Weaver's eyeball opening onto this scene. We've got this yes, cool, creepy, so magic good. prison that doesn't look like a prison, but it does look magical. It does look magical. We've well, got a force field and sigil surrounding her. Yep. And, you know. <sighs> okay. So this is Shadow Weaver's first meeting with Angie. But, you know, they have the, they have, you know, little Micah in common. And of course, Shadow Weaver, who knows how to turn the knife, Mm -hmm. you know, keeps bringing him up. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. you know, Cast is there too. He's like, oh yeah, you're not as talented as Micah. Oh, you're the one that got him killed, you know. Yeah, even though she's dying, Shadow Weaver's like, I gotta be me. I gotta be me. (laughs) Turning the knife, just going in there. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, and also um, visually, um, they're doing this thing to represent her dyingness that the dark magic is like dripping off of her, basically. I love that. It kind of reminds me of uh, like Princess Mononoke a little bit when um, 
like the boar god and everyone is like cursed but those are more like those are more like worms kind of crawling in and out and when they kill they kind of like crawl out but it's that like like liquid feeling shadow kind of just like dripping and moving off of her like it's very it's very gross but very cool yeah it's very effective and i'm gonna bring it up again later in contrast to something else so i just wanted to make a note of it now because it's very it's heavy-handed in this scene yes it is yes it is um and shadow weaver again brings up this is a prison (laughs) you know Uh, and angela says why does everyone keep of course this is a prison (laughs) Oh, you must be Glimmer's mother. I can tell from the way your voice grows shrill when you scream. Turning the knife. Turning the knife. And then Castispella jumps in. You know, you're going to pay for the crimes you committed against my... When you were my brother's teacher. Oh, yes, sweet, talented Micah. Too bad it doesn't run in the family. You know, she's having as much fun as she can have with what she thinks are probably her dying breaths. Oh, yeah. She's definitely having a blast being, like, a terrible person. Yeah, to the very end, as far as she knows. It's kind of (laughs) wonderful. It is. It is. You know, and she's she has all the leverage that she can have. It's like, I'm only going to talk to Adora. Yep. And, and that's where we leave her. And that's where we leave her. The three her. of them for now, all yep. delighting in pissing each other off I, it's, as it, much as possible. I do love three it. Three little hens in a clutch. Yeah, I do love it when the adults fight. Yeah. Yeah, it's really lovely. Yeah, it is fun because it's so petty. It's so petty. And then we skip on over to the fright zone. Yeah. And where we have things are a lot less petty. A lot less petty. A lot more just kind of straightforward, you know, crime Reckoning and punishment. Stuff. Yeah. And, so, yeah, very crime and punishment. So Katra... Uh, because of the establishing shot where we have all the hash marks on the wall, Ketra's in Shadow Weaver's old cell, right? That's, that's what I thought, too. Okay, that's what I thought, too. Like, visually, it would make, you Because she know... hasn't been there that long, and there's a lot of hash marks. Yeah, exactly. So, I yeah, okay. So... Yeah, and it looks, I mean, probably they all look the same, but it looks the same as the cell that Shadow Weaver was in. She's being held by the same green, glowy yeah. arm restraints. Yeah, maybe that's just like the... And she, the way she looks when she wakes up, it seems like she's just taking in where she is for the first time. Yeah. She seems very horrified and upset. Yeah. For yeah. a moment before we hear the dulcet tones of someone we love. Aw, Scorpia. Scorpia. We love Calling you. out for Catra. Calling out for Catra. Catra, I found you. Oh. And, you know, at first, Catra's just shocked. She's like, how did you get in here? And Scorpio is able to give us a moment of levity. It was quite a heist. Quite the heist. <laughs> and we see one moment of this in very intricate heist where she do to do. Yep. Yeets a guard. Yep. This is a really yeetable like prison. There's yeah. Like, I mean, there's so there's this giant chasm. Yeah. It's the many opportunities for yeetage, especially if you're Scorpia, especially. Yeah. I mean, Scorpia, like we are all we are all bugs to the giant bug. Yeah. 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 And, you know, Scorpia relays that information. Then she's like, come on, I'm busting you out. We don't have a lot of time before dot, dot, dot. Dun, dun, dun. Hordak has <laughs> Hordak has called an assembly to witness your punishment. I mean, Scorpia doesn't say it like that, but. Yeah, yeah but I mean, she does say those words. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then she tries to downplay uh, it. I'm sure it's probably nothing. Yeah, it's fine. It's not. But whatever it is, I won't let it happen. Yeah. And, and then. Gosh, these buttons are just so tiny. We need to make things accessible for Scorpia, yeah, damn it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, of course, the Horde does not give a shit about Scorpia. They really don't. And they, they are never going to. Yeah, they don't give a shit about accessibility in the Horde. No, no. And so Catra, you know, while Scorpia is trying to provide some levity to this moment and trying to keep things upbeat, mm-hmm. as she always does, Catra mm-hmm. is just done. Yeah. Stop it. 
I never had a chance. I did everything right. I thought I could prove myself, but it doesn't matter what I do. I don't get to win. And of course not. If you stay with the freaking horde. Sure. But of course like, not. That's where she needs to win, though. But that is never going to happen. But that is never going to happen. And she needs to figure that out through lived experience. Well, she'll figure it out eventually. eventually. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's rough. It's rough. But no one can just tell her that. Sure. You know, yeah. she's. But, you know, right now she's having a rough. She's having a real rough moment. She's having Shadow a rough, Weaver though. was right. It's horrible for her to have to say those words. <sighs> I mean, uh, I, I don't want to say that. I either. don't either. Yeah. I don't want Shadow Weaver to ever be right about anything. Right, but, but she, she is right about some things. She's right about. I which mean, is the worst. I know. Oh, I love it when I, I love it when evil is right about things in the way that like I love a good villain. Right. Right. A compelling villain yeah. is is often right observationally about the way of things. Exactly. But then the conclusions they come to about what should be done about it. That's what makes them a villain. Is what makes them a villain. Exactly. Yes, yes. It's all about choices, kids. That's right. So Scorpius says she's not right. Don't give up yet. I can save you. And then we have this great moment between them. Catra says you really care, don't you? Mm. And do you want to say what Scorpius says? Yes. Of course. Of course I care. You're you're Catra. You're our leader. You're, you're my friend. You're everything to me. And I would like to nominate this as the one and only obvious gayest moment for this episode. I would agree. I have that as well. Yes. Okay, great. And so then we there's have that this, one. Yes. Dust that off. Yes, there's not, not a lot of gay shit in this episode. Not this is a very really. expositional episode. It really is. Um, and so there's this big pregnant pause, if mm -hmm. you will, in this moment where you think that maybe Catra might actually be ready to accept Scorpia's affection, support, friendship, that this might be a breakthrough moment for them. Mm. For like a moment. For like a moment. And you can see it kind of pass over like Catra's face that it's almost like she she does want she, that. And she believes it. She knows that Scorpia is telling the truth. Right. But she just, she can. She But she can't accept it. Yeah. But so. no. Yeah. <laughs> Instead... Catra gives us some slightly unhinged laughter and she says, caring about people is what got me into this mess. And she says in this really defeated, hopeless voice, mm -hmm. like it's not a cruel voice. It's no. this hopeless voice. Yes. Get out of here or they'll take you down with me. Oh. And Scorpio's like, what? And then Catra's like, you know, Catra Are does you stupid? I said leave. Guards, you right. know, she's forcing Scorpia to leave. She's right. Forcing like, the issue. There is some level of like, you know, Catra obviously cares about right. Scorpia. I'm in the doing sense this for your own good. Exactly. Exactly. And that's how Catra can show that. Right. 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 And then they share this look, the sad, <sighs> angry look no. of acceptance of the situation for the moment. For the moment. And then yeah. Scorpia leaves. And then we go to Glimmer's room. And then Catra just has this moment by herself where she backs up into the corner, into the shadow in the corner of her cell, like the saddest kitty on Etheria, who has just accepted her fate in the darkness. Aww. Very high drama. Aww. You know, lesbian drama is just I off the charts. <laughs> lots of shadows, lots of moping. Lesbian drama at its greatest. Yes, yes. This is a very high lesbian drama episode. And now, now let's so go to Bright So much Moon. lesbian drama. So much lesbian drama. Even though drama. I said there wasn't a lot of gayest moments. There's lesbian drama, There's but not like gayest drama. moment. Yeah, yeah. I'm just really excited to get to the yes, Bright Moon. Yes, back to Bright Moon. Back to Bright Moon. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so we have ridiculous Adora action here where, you know, everybody's trying to keep an eye on each other and outsmart each other. And, you know, how, you know, we have... 
you know, Adora pretending to fall asleep and then Bo and Glimmer trying to fall asleep and then Bo actually falling asleep. And it's, it's, well, it's, it's just wackiness. Bo and Adora having like a yeah. staring contest right. and in then, Glimmer's bed while Glimmer is just fully asleep. Well, but Glimmer wakes up and then is like, Adora, you know, grabs yeah. her yeah. and, you know, then Adora like <laughs> tries to like scale the wall yeah. with her. Yeah. With her big gay rope. Yeah, yeah. More dumb lesbian hijinks. And this is my favorite part where Adora puts on the uh, Bright Moon Guard uniform. Is like, oh, uh, I'm here to relieve <laughs> yeah. you of your duty. And, you know, I I feel like this is the Ethereum version of three kids in a trench coat. You yes. Know? Yeah. And uh, yes, I am guy real man, you know. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> that's absolutely right. So after we go through some wacky hijinks, you know, we have a little bit of a heartfelt conversation yes, here. Yes. And it's kind of a key one. In- yeah. In terms of the character arcs throughout the show and what we consider like core value statement. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. In terms of can people change? Mm-hmm. Um, can I can we go through the dialogue real quick? Here? Absolutely. Do we want to start the look I told you I need to talk to her? Sure. Yeah. 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 OK. So we have Adora saying, look, I told you I just need to talk to her. And Glimmer says, Adora, Shadow Weevil, Shadow Shadow Weaver? Shadow Weaver will try to hurt you again. You don't know that. Yes, I do. She's from the Horde. She's evil. Evil people don't change. And then Adora said, well, I'm from the Horde and I change. Right. And that was, you know, the point that I thought was important to get to. And we don't have to go through any more after yeah, that. Yeah, no, I so agree. So that's, those are the lines. Yep. She's evil. Evil people don't change. I'm from the Horde. I changed. Yep. And so then, you know, my questions after that are, did Adora... Did Adora really change, though? Or did the information she had access to change? Because I don't think Adora... I mean, I don't think that people can't change. That's not what I'm saying. Right. But in terms of how much did Adora really change? Because, you know, her positionality in the Horde was based on propaganda. Right. And misinformation. Right. I mean, in in the... I would agree with you here. Because afterwards she says, like, you know... Like, I didn't leave because I picked up the sword, but because it was the right thing to do. Right. So she was, like, driven by her own internal, like, you know, understanding of morality. Right, right. Yeah. But that was always, that would always have been true. If Agreed. She, if she had been given this information sooner, it would have happened whenever she had been given this information. Yeah, I I, I agree here for, for this one, yeah. Um. So the idea of evil as an immutable characteristic is something that we're going to be playing with for the rest of the series. Absolutely. Um. And it's key to, you know how the show is influenced, especially by Avatar and Legend of Korra, because mm. those are shows that have really, really deep redemption arcs yes. throughout. Agreed. And, you know, those are slow, you know, just like really worthwhile relationships that we love to ship are slow burn. Mm-hmm. Really worthwhile redemption arcs are also slow burn. Yeah. It's not like someone just wakes up one day and realizes they were on the wrong side of an unjust war. Right. I right. was evil yesterday. Oh, fuck. Now I see the light. <laughs> oh, fuck. I was evil. You know, now I'm not um, evil anymore. Sometimes you, know, and you have to go through, sometimes you have to go through some serious shit to see it. Too. Right. And so I, in terms of thinking of people from the horde, can they change? Uh-huh. I separated that for the purposes of this little conversation. Awesome. Into, you know, the top level people who create the horde rhetoric, mm-hmm. people on the leadership level, those who benefit from the dominant paradigm and create the propaganda that supports it. Right. Like the Hitlers. 
the know, Hitlers of the Horde. The Hitlers of the Horde and the Goebbels, Joseph right. Goebbels, who created all the propaganda right. that supported the Third Reich. If you yes. don't know who Joseph Goebbels is, he was the person who literally created all the Nazi propaganda and, you know, the, the news clips that the rest of the world saw that tried to make, you know, the concentration camps seem like something other than literally like murder tents. <laughs> You know, and yeah. so those high level people know what they are doing. Exactly. No one is tricking them into anything. No. Nope. They benefit from the system yep. and they create the rules and the lies that perpetuate the system. Yep. And then there's the people who follow the horde for a whole variety of reasons, but are not in a position of power within it. For example, their communities were destroyed and the survivors were absorbed into the horde. Like the, tr- like the, uh, a powerhouse polycule. Right. I was going to say war orphans. Yeah. Like I was thinking of them as war orphans. Yeah. You know, or people like Scorpia, their ancestors gave allegiance to the horde based on promises and propaganda, much of which was never fulfilled. Right. You know, so all of those people are equally the horde in Glimmer's eyes. Right. But their positionality within the horde could be very different. Yeah. Um. So I just think that's something worth chewing on. And because that's a very, you know, that's just a wide range of different positions to make a statement like evil people don't change. Mm -hmm. Not everyone in that, you know, has the same position of I am invested in the horde being all powerful. Yeah. Yeah. People who are caught up in it versus people who planned it, executed it knowingly. Yeah. Anyway. I love it. It's so tasty. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you think so. And uh, that does kind of, you know, that conversation does play into the title, The Price of Power. Yes. And so Shadow Weaver is not either one of those two categories. No. She definitely was power hungry and came into it willingly. Right. But also she did not come into it immediately in a position of power. Right. She had to grapple for it. Right. Which is kind of her whole... That's her whole thing. That's her whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So Adora wants to know, needs to know, if Shadow Weaver has the ability to truly change the way she feels that she did. Mm Mm-hmm. And I understand that impulse. Of course. I I also do. Yeah. And Bo says they trust her, but they won't let her face Shadow Weaver alone. Which is like... Of course, what we expect. Of course. Yeah, exactly. That's just Bo. That's what Bo does. Mm Mm-hmm. We trust you, but you're not doing, you know, but, but we'll all do it together. also backing you up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the prison. <laughs> in the prison. In the prison. In the, the brightly lit prison. In the guest room. In the guest room. With no pillows. Yes. The no pillow guest room. <laughs> um, with the, it's like the, the, it's like, um. Like when you're staying in somebody's guest room and they use like the three tier, the third tier mattress that, you know, they're like, yeah, you know, we got this at Ikea. It was kind of cheap. Nothing at all like your guest room. No. Which has a delicious, wonderful mattress that I have slept like a queen in. I mean, we believe in good mattresses. Yes, you do. You believe in good everything. Yeah. You know, well, we're high quality. Delicious treats. Yeah. All the best of everything. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. nice. It's nice to have some creature comforts now yes, and again. Yes, it is. It so. is. Um, but back to back yes. to our guest room. Yes. Queen Angie and Auntie Casta are getting absolutely nowhere. They're trying. Trying to interrogate Shadow Weaver because they have no leverage. They have nothing. And, you know, Casta's trying some truth spells. But, I mean, like, and Casta is, like, the queen of Mysticor, right? The, but, like. Yeah, she's the head sorceress of Mysticor. But, but like, apparently she's still not as good as Micah. Yeah. Which. Or Shadow Weaver. Or Shadow Weaver. I mean. We already know that Shadow Weaver is probably one of the, you know, the best magic users, you know, Ethereum magic users on the planet, certainly. 
I mean, yeah, she's yeah, the yeah, only yeah. person that's not a princess that has been able to harness the power of a runestone. Yes, that's true. So, that's you know, true. like even if you are like really, really good, you're, you know, you're still going up against like a master. Yeah. And I also think it's possible um, that Casta is sloppy right now because she is so overwhelmed with emotion. She's probably really triggered by yeah. her brother's abuser being right here in front of her. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. And, you know, she's doing the same kind of manipulative shit right here, right? She's still going in and turning the knife, right? Yeah, yeah, so. exactly, exactly. And, you know, Shadow Weaver at least is being consistent right now. She just wants to talk to Adora. Yeah. She's not changing her story. Yep. And they just want to know why the Horde sent her. Right, and she was like, you think the Horde sent me? Yeah. I was like, I escaped from the Horde. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, they correctly deduce that she's dying. Yeah. And so while they're all bickering over this in the hall, oh, no, they're bickering in the hall over what to do with her. Mm-hmm. And Bo takes this opportunity to distract them with card tricks. Okay. I love the idea that Bo is trying to do sleight of hand magic tricks to two powerful, like, magic users. <laughs> it's like, hey, you guys want to see a magic trick? Oh, and they're like, what? What do you? Okay, Bo. I love that. Okay, that's, buddy. That's a great little, like, tiny comedic beat. It's in, true. Like, there are some really great comedic beats in this, like, really heavy yeah. episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I love that one. Agreed. I thought that was hilarious. Agreed. And then, so Adora sneaks in to talk to Shadow Weaver. But first, a few words from our stabby friend. Yay! <laughs> This is great. This is great. So Glimmer's like, listen up, bucko. What are those like types of speeches? Just give me a reason. Give me a reason. I'm your stabby friend. And the door's like, all right, all right, all right, chill, chill. I I got this. I need this. And then Glimmer, before she walks away, does the great thing when she takes the two fingers, she points to her eyes. Yeah. She points to Shadow Weaver's eyes. Yep. That silent, like, I got my eyes on you, buddy. I got my eyes on you. You know, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. Yes, yes. It's a great little silent intimidation thing from your friend. Your your friend who's like chihuahua-sized, threatening like a giant Great Dane. Just no fear, no hesitation. Yeah, I love that. Like, I will fuck you up. I will fuck you up and so, then finally uh, adora and shadow weaver have have time to talk to each other uh, all i have for this conversation is oh, oh no adora shadow weaver is trying all of the tricks she's yes. uh, she's known yes that i have missed you my child and you know like you were always the special clever one. Oh, i know vomit. and you know Ad- adora's doing a pretty good job being yeah. like nope Nope, yeah. try again. Yeah. Nope, ain't working on me anymore. Like, growth. Yeah. Growth, Adora. Yeah, yeah. She does not hesitate. No, she doesn't. No, and it's awesome. We're yeah. really proud of her. Yes, we are very proud of Adora. Uh, she's not having it. She's not having it. And she's just holding strong, like, no, try again. Why are you here? Why are you here? The same way that Shadow Weaver just was. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to see Adora. I need to see Adora. Mm-hmm. And Adora's got the, res- mm-hmm. you know, she's the resolute, you know? Why are you here? Why are you here? And we hear it, you know? Shadow Weaver says that I'm, you know, I'm dying. Mm-hmm. It took all of my magical power to come here. And um, I also have another, you know, kind of imagery of the shadows that she has woven around her are slowly dissipating. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she can no longer weave the shadows around her. Yeah, they are leaving yeah, her. Yeah. So. The shadows that she has woven are now unweaving. They are now unweaving. Yeah, totally. She spins no light. She weaves no shadow. She is just yeah. a woman. 
So Adora transforms into Shira and says, says that she's going to heal Shadow Weaver now in exchange for Shadow Weaver telling them the truth about why she's here. And she's <laughs> and Glimmer's like, uh, you don't know how to do this yet. You've never figured this out. And Adora confidently says that she will figure it out because she has to. Right. Because otherwise Shadow Weaver's going to die. And then we have Shadow Weaver bringing up the, uh, I can teach you. Yeah, since she is a teacher of children. A teacher of children. This is something that she can do with her wonderful resume of teaching. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Teacher of children. Yes. Slash corrupter of youth. Yes. The great corrupter. Uh, and I actually think that this is really interesting, um, that there's a character who has been depicted as one who corrupts and causes damage is the one that teaches Adora how to heal. She's the one that takes the time. Like, Shadow Weaver is a creature of destruction, is a character of destruction, yet she is the one that is able to teach Adora how to heal. Even if it's for, you know, her own completely self-centered, yeah. self-preservation reasons. And I find that very kind of, like, really I mean, that tasty. is, yeah, that is one way to look at it. I was, that is certainly... Um, she's a destroyer, but she's also just power hungry. Right. And so this is like the one time that instead of taking the power for herself, she just genuinely does what she says she's going to do yeah. and teaches Adora how to take the power that Adora is meant to have yeah, and I, use it correctly. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Either way, it's a nice little, like, there's yeah, a really yeah. great I mean, reversal happening. Yeah, because like this scene, like all the tension in this scene is, is Shadow Weaver telling the truth? Yeah. That she's actually, like, is she, is this going to play out the way it did in Light Spinner? Right. Or is it, is she telling the truth? Is she telling the truth? Yeah. Um, because Shadow Weaver says, I can help. I was once a teacher of magic in Mysticore. I trained your father, princess. I can mm -hmm. help you control your magic, Adora. But first, you must trust me. <sighs> like, oh my God. Right. <laughs> what reason has she ever given them to trust her? Right. Um, but then, you know, Shira says, fine, but in return, you trust me. Trust that I'm not stupid. Trust that I'll see right through your mind game. Stop lying for once and trust me with the truth. I love that. It's a really good exchange. I think it's a fantastic exchange. And, you know, we hold the tension there and then yeah. we go right to Hordak's lab. Yep. His little sanctum lab. His his, his sanctum sanctorium. His emo man boy cave. His emo man boy cave where he just tinkers. And, you know, we have entrapped a... Yeah. So first know. we have a tiny moment where he's tinkering with something and uh -huh. like he reaches for a tool and he like grabs his arm in pain. So we see mm -hmm. that something is wrong with him. Yes. For like a tiny second before yep. entrapped a busts in. Yep. <laughs> With all of her, all of her wonderful energy, you know, she brings a wonderful energy to this emo man cave. Oh, yes. And just gives us a little bit of exposition that she's been able to integrate the first one tech from the northern reach to the portal. Um, and she got some sort of signal, like some sort of first one message. She mm -hmm. can't make out some of it, but one of them says portal. And there's something missing in order to get it to work. It could be the missing something we're looking for. And then, you know, she's like, well, where's Katra? Katra should get this for us. Yeah. And then in between that last bit and the part where she says, where's Katra? I wrote a big all caps note. I wrote, that's a note, kids. This season's buzzword is portal. It could be the missing something we're looking for. 
portal, you say? All this other stuff is is nonsense, but there's one word that's really clear. And it's, and it's portal. portal. <laughs> and it could, literally, it could be the missing something we're looking for. Huh. I wonder if it's the missing something we're looking for. And where's Catra? She can figure it out for us. Sure, but, you know. Yeah. Hordak's like, yes. uh, sh- no. She is no longer a concern of yours. She has been sent to Beast Island. And Catra, of course. Oh, Catra. I did not mean Catra. I meant Entrapta. Entrapta. Being the voice of reason motivated only by facts and Mm -hmm. not by emo drama. Right. No no gay drama. No emo man boy drama. No. Just facts. Just facts. Entrapta says, I'm confused. As you can see, the overall productivity of the Horde has increased by 400%. Since Catra has been your second in command. And look at this chart. Because data never lies, bro. Data never lies. So Trapta is not even engaging with any of his baby tantrums. No, no. She's like, uh, Catra is useful. Yeah. She says the evidence shows that First One's tech has gotten us closer than ever to creating a working portal. Catra has been incredibly successful at getting new tech for us. Yeah, bruh, she has. Yeah, for real. And this latest signal is coming from here. The Crimson Waste. The Crimson Waste? Yes, we don't have a moment to spare. We need Catra. Ooh. And, you know. Hordak's not having it. No, he's not. He's all grumpy about it. He's like, this this discussion is over. And then Trapta sighs and swoops away on her prehensile hair. But then. For the moment. For the moment. I wonder what happens with that conversation. Yes. And Trapta knows how to pick her moments with Hordak. She's getting to know him. Yeah. Yeah. And then we swoop back to Bright Moon. And we have our beginning of our little lesson. Yeah, so we have some major world building happening in this Absolutely. conversation. Yeah, and I have a I have an up and coming smart brain moment. Awesome. So I have I have some world building questions happening here. Do you want to start? Yeah, so um so we have Shadow Weaver talking about, you know, you are a princess and you have a runestone. And we, we learned this earlier that yes. that, you know, She-Ra's runestone is in the sword. Yes. And that the first ones created it, right? Correct. We already learned that. Yep. So we already learned that. Uh, and you can channel the, you know, eternal elemental magic of Etheria through your sword. Um, and Through you the know, runestone in the sword, through the runestone, Yes, through the runestone in the sword. And, you know, concentrate and focus your power. Let it flow through you. And... You know, we have some, you know, a, a little tiny bit of levity here again. It's like, what do I do? Do I just point it? You know, because she's always trying to yeah. point her, her sword at shit to yeah, get to work because yeah, yeah, it's Adora. Yeah, yeah, of course. So I had some world building questions. Cool. As soon as Shadow Weaver starts to tell Adora about the sword, mm-hmm. she says, you have the runestone. It's here within your sword. With it, you channel the elemental magic of Etheria. So these are questions we can never know the answers to. So where did the first ones get the runestone that they used to make the Shira sword? Was there always a Shira that predated the first ones colonization of Etheria? And was this her runestone that they stole to turn into the sword and make it a portable runestone that would serve their purposes better? Or did they somehow create the entire concept of Shira to insert themselves into the princess configuration of Etheria altogether? Or maybe something else? Yeah. So who knows? Who knows? Any way you slice it, this is the sword is a symbol of colonization. Absolutely. Yes. It can it's also a symbol of other things. Right. Because, you know, the Ethereans themselves recognize this sword and they celebrate it and they celebrate Shira. Yes. So it's more complicated than just a one-sided oppressor situation with, 
you know, the indigenous people being like, fuck off. Right. You're not one of us. Right. It's it's complicated. Everything is. Yeah. It's complicated. You know, colonization is complicated. Yes. yes. But this is even more complicated because, you know, the Ethereans aren't engaging with Shira as if Shira is a colonizer. No. They view her as one of their own. Correct. And we don't know to what extent did Shira predate the first ones or not. We Absolutely. don't know. We don't know this. Um, so those were the questions that I had that, you know, just to chew on because yeah. we don't know the answers. We do, I love those questions. Yes. Yeah. They and are then my delicious. last point is anyway, Shadow Weaver teaches Shira how to channel the magic of Etheria through her magical genderqueer sword to do healing. And so this is where my first professional professor smart brain moment comes in. Yes. Awesome. So, so um, we have Shadow Weaver saying, You are afraid, but refuse to admit it. Afraid mm. of your power, of it spiraling out of control. Let yourself fear it, feel it. Let yourself feel it, then move past it. You are greater than your fear. And my Professor Smart Brain moment, number one, is about the epic 1965 science fiction novel written by Frank Herbert. It is about Dune. I don't know anything about Dune. Tell me all about it. Well, I'm going to tell you all about it, because a lot of the stuff that you were just talking about, about the Ethereans accepting She-Ra as kind of this like mystical force, also kind of happened in Dune. So let's let's give you guys a really high level about what Dune, and I'm talking specifically kind of about the first book, not the entire series, and I'm talking about the book, right? Not the subsequent films. So Dune is set in a distant future amidst a feudal interstellar society in which various noble houses control planetary fiefdoms. It tells the story of young Paul Atreides, whose family accepts the stewardship of the planet Arrakis. Okay, so so we have kind of this like this young, uh, you know, young prince dude. Is he the chosen one? We learn that he is. So while the planet is inhospitable, which is Arrakis, by the way, the desert planet and sparsely populated wasteland. Mm-hmm. It is also the source of melange or spice, which is a drug that extends life and enhances med- uh, uh, mental abilities. It is also absolutely necessary for people to travel through space so spice is the like commodity that is needed by these like everyone in this world wild but it can only be produced in you guessed it the desert planet arrakis can we see where this is going yes we can so Paul is taken actually, so, you know, there's a whole wacky set of events where, you know, Paul's family goes to Arrakis, the desert planet, and, you know, through, like I said, a wacky set of events, Paul is taken in by the indigenous people of Arrakis, and they're called the Fremen. And after a series of all of these events, he is eventually revealed to him and the Fremen that he is the chosen one, which is the Quitsak Haderach. So this book is like super, super dense with themes. But the ones that really kind of hit home for our conversation Mm. are the themes of ecological exploitation, Mm -hmm. having a chosen one that may or may not be um, part of, you know, the indigenous narrative as well as kind of a colonizer narrative, because we kind of need to like figure out where that narrative is coming from and who uh, and... You know, because we have that with Shira and we have yeah, this with Dune, yeah, yeah. Paul, you know, Paul Atreides, um, the chosen one. But why else did I bring up Dune? 
Good question. Crimson Waste? The Crimson Waste? No. So when Shadow Weaver says you are greater than your fear, there is a part in Dune um, that, so there's a part in Dune, which is kind of a, it's called the Litany Against Fear. And this, that type of idea resembles uh, the uh, litany by the powerful female-led secret society called the Bene Gesserit. Nice. Yeah, they're dope. Um, so, and they have, like, their secret society kind of per- permutates every single thing in that universe. Mm-hmm. So they're, like, in charge of all things. They have their fingers in every single pie. Nice. And this is the, the lit- Lady Illuminati. They're the Lady Illuminati. So this is the litany against fear. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. And when the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Cool. Yeah. So it's like face your fear, move through your fear. That's where your power comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, in case you, you know, need I love to know. It. I love it. Yeah. So there have been a couple of Dune movies. There was a recent one in 2021 starring uh, Timothy Chalamet. There was an adaptation in 2000. Uh, and David Lynch actually did one in 1984. And we're going to talk about David Lynch a little bit later. Cool. That yeah. was all highly relevant. Yeah. Yeah. And when I was going over that little section of Shadow Weaver speech, I was just thinking about meditative practices in general, mm-hmm. you know, because my parents did a lot of meditation when I was a kid. Sure. Um, yeah. And, you know, they just taught me some really basic stuff. Right. The first thing they taught me is meditation is not what you think. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. But just, you know, like you, the point is not to stress yourself out trying to do a good job. Like that's the opposite. That's, that's the how, opposite. You know, of, yeah. it's like, oh, don't have any thoughts. If you have thoughts, you're failing. You know, right. it's like you have thought, you know, thoughts, fears, anxieties arise. You just acknowledge them. Yeah. They let pass them through. exist Absolutely. and then let them go. Absolutely. You can visualize them as leaves floating down a river. Yeah. And what Shadow Weaver's saying very much reminded me of that. Like, you know, you can't overcome thoughts, anxieties, negative feelings by trying to push them away. Mm-hmm. You have to let them pass through you yeah. and then let them go to move past it. And that's very similar, again, to um, what Guru Patik tells Aang mm-hmm. um, in order for him to unlock all his chakras yes. in Avatar Last Airbender. Yes. So this is, you know, widely held spiritual wisdom across many cultures. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the stuff of the Bene Gesserit um, is very, you know, influenced by, you know. Of course. Yeah. He was writing this in 1965. I'm sure that he had also been influenced. Yes. By, you know, real world stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. As many science fiction authors are. As many science fiction authors are. We saw some really cool stuff in the science fiction room at uh, the Museum of Pop Culture when we took a cool field trip. Yeah. That place was awesome. That place rules. Anyway, oh, and so remember before when I noted that Shadow Weaver's uh, dark magic dripping off of her was visualized in a certain way. Yes, as, let's like hear tendrils it. of dark magic yeah. dripping off of her. So I notice now when Shira's healing magic engages, it visually speaking, it looks like a complementary opposite to to Shadow Weaver's dark magic sloth. Yeah. She has this white gold tendrils of instead of black tendrils Ooh. that are sort of emanating out of her and off of her visually in the same way. Ooh, I love that. 
So I feel yeah. like that was probably intentional. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Like healing and dying. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, that's tasty. Yeah, thank Jenny, you. Jenny, you got some tasty, tasty, tasty stuff. Thank you. Thank you. So we have, you know, shall we move on? We yes, have the healing. Yes, the yes. healing so happens. So just as Shira is healing Shadow Weaver, Queen Angie bursts in. Mm-hmm. And I told you, stay out of here. And Glimmer's like, she's Shira, mom. Yeah. <laughs> what do you expect me to do? What do you think? You know? She's, you know, eight foot tall superhero, you know, goddess human. Like, yeah, yeah. Like she's our she's our goddess warrior. Yeah. Like I'm just going to let us, you know, I'm just going to hold Athena back. Like, yeah, no, you yeah, know, yeah. Like, it doesn't work like not that. going to happen. Yeah. But, you know, now the deed is done. Yeah. Adora immediately detransforms and demands that Shadow Weaver keep up her end of the bargain and tell the truth about why she's here. And my next note is, again, in all caps, evil exposition in three, two, one. <laughs> yeah and this is a this is a huge yes this is pretty much setting up the rest of the series yeah this is a huge like reveal so we learned that you know shadow weaver was cast aside by you know catra betrayed her uh which i think that's you know a a matter of opinion to say that catra betrayed her sure i mean you know that's her point of view and she's always gonna say shit about catra right yeah yeah hordak cast her aside Right. And, you know, this is her like, you know, I'm going to get them back now. Right. Okay. good. We got that. And then we learn that Hordak has been working for years to build a machine capable of opening a portal through the fabric of space. Mm -hmm. This is mind blowing. Mm -hmm. This is changing the entire game. Yeah. We're like, wait, what? Space? Huh? Mm -hmm. That's right. Because he intends to bring the rest of the Horde's armies through this portal and use them to conquer Etheria. Once and for all. And we're like, wait, what? Yep, yep. What? And no it, fucking way. You're saying that, first of all, outer space exists. There's more out there than just the empty void of Despondos where we are. And there's more Horde that will totally, completely kick our ass. Yeah. No way. Yes. Yes, and Shadow Weaver says, a force so large you cannot even comprehend it. You have struggled to hold off Hordak's paltry troops for years. You will stand no chance against the full might of the Horde. Right, and it, it you know, we're like, well, how, what makes, what makes now special? Yes. What makes this night different from all other nights, Meth? <laughs> On this night, we, we can't recline because we, you know, we learned that they found a princess that combines first one technology with the Horde's machines. Mm-hmm. Now oh. they have Entrapta. Now they have Entrapta. And of course, Glimmer's like, fuck this shit. This is ridiculous. Yeah, this is dumb. How does this actually exist? Yeah. Portals to other worlds? What is, fuck you. She's obviously lying. Yeah. She always lies. Yeah. This all sounds completely made up and ridiculous. Yeah, she's not having any of this. Yes. And, and Shadow Weaver's like... We have an Etheria, we on Etheria have no concept of a universe beyond our reach. And then, oh man, this is a huge, huge reveal. Mm -hmm. The evidence stands before us. And it's Adora. What? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And then we have more very important villainous exposition dump that Hordak has opened a portal years ago. Once before, he managed it for two seconds. And a child came through. A teeny tiny 
tiny little baby savior. And that child was you, Adora. Mm-hmm. You were brought through a portal from another world. And Adora Fuck. cannot handle it, Fuck. which I totally understand. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, so she runs away, but not before making the saddest little gay pout you ever saw in your life. Yep. I mean, can you blame her? No, no. Like, like this is like, you know, this can be like the equivalent of somebody who's like, oh, and you, by the way, you're adopted. Only it's like... Yeah, times five million. Yeah, like the the scale, like the magnitude of this is just. By the way, you're adopted from another planet, right? And like, what? Yeah, yeah, that's some Superman shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And of course, just like Superman, she runs to her crystal castle, yes, Fortress of Solitude. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Light Hope approves of Adora dropping by unexpectedly for some extra training. I know, she loves this. Also, I want to just do a really quick callback to Dune because Light Hope's character design mm-hmm. looks very similar to the Bene Gesserit designs oh. with the short hair and kind of like the, the veil and everything. It's very similar to some of the Bene Gesserit designs from the first uh, two Dune films. Cool. Which is another kind cool. of like... Like Sounds little, like that was definitely an influence. Yeah, yeah. Like awesome. a little bit of a nod to that. Awesome. Like, you know, uh, Light Hope. So far we have Light Hope and Shadow Weaver as part of the Ethereum Lady Illuminati. So Interesting. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. so Adora shows up to talk to Light Hope. She is super shook. She has no fucks left to give. Yeah. I mean, would I no, I'd be? Yeah, no, no. I totally have yeah. sympathy for Adora. I would be the same. Yeah, totally. And Light Hope is confused because Adora has these events stored in her own memory bank. So why is she asking for clarification of events that she witnessed? She's like, what? My memory? I was a baby. Yeah. Adora it- has to explain to Light Hope that babies don't remember things. And we have like a tiny little like, you know, Light Hope, Uncanny Valley joke here yeah, that like yeah, kind of yeah. pops, but it's also like... It's so quick that yeah. like we because we have to go right back into the very heavy conversation. Yes. yes. So Light Hope creates a very dramatic uh, holodeck reenactment of the portal that Adora came through. Um, we've got this beautiful, haunting, swirling purple vortex. It's like a sideways black hole. Mm-hmm. It's like with strands of electricity crackling out of it in a big empty field and we see Adora and Light Hope standing in this big empty field looking at this swirling purple vortex and there's like instead of plant life in this big empty field there's some giant crystals just sticking out of the ground at random yeah. so it's this sort of haunting desolate Ethereum landscape it's awesome it's awesome and then there's more portals there are por- portals we say more portals I think we're going to learn more about some portals yes so as we are Watching this scene, a holographic Hordak walks towards the sound of a crying baby as Light Hope narrates. Do you want to say what Light Hope says? Or should I say it? Yeah, let's 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 hear you. Okay. I want to hear your Light Hope. Light yeah. Hope says, This is the portal that you came through, Adora. The horde stole you, turned you into a soldier for their war. I could not stop them. So I watched and waited for the day I could unite you with the sword. And Adora what? said, the sword, these powers, what? like she's barely wrapping her mind around it. I mean, yeah, I don't blame her. Yeah. And Light Hope says, the first ones came from beyond the stars. And, you know, in the original, it's like the planet right next door. Like, it's that planet right there. Right. That one. But yeah. like, but also, they're, they're in an empty dimension now, so they can't see it. Right. Also, they don't have stars there. Right. 
So right. it's like, what so the all hell this does that is mean? meaningless to yeah. them in Despite right. Us. Yeah. They made the sword so it would only respond to one of their own kind. And Adora's. So pl- again, they co-opted at best mm-hmm. yes. this planet's own system yeah. of of balance. Right. Right. And Adora's yeah. like, but I- I'm a first one? Yeah. And, and, and Light Hope's like, why are you upset about this? Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. And Adora is like, you know, did I have a family? Can I go back? Do I, you know, could I go home? Right. And it's like, oh, sweet baby Adora. I know. You are? I know. Like, she's she's just been given this information that, you know, she actually comes from somewhere as opposed to just being an anonymous war orphan. Yeah. And that's Dude, it's massive. Dude, I, if life I was, changing information, I would have smoke coming out of my ears at this point. Just like, bah, what? Duh, yeah, bah. I can't even imagine. I cannot even imagine. And then, of course, we have Lighthouse blaming Mara for everything. Mm-hmm. When Mara cut us off from the rest of the universe, she destroyed our portal capabilities. Attempting to open one now would have devastating consequences. Huh. And she turns red when she says devastating. Yeah. So this is another, you know, like early red flag that this portal business could be very bad news. Yeah. I, I feel like this portal thing is going to be really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bad and so news. now Adora has another r- relevant question. Mara, she must have come from the same place I did. Why did she do it? And then we have a really shady answer from Lighthope. Mm-hmm. That's very deflecty. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is like the definition of deflecty. It's like, it is irrelevant. This is your home now. Mm-hmm. And, and Adora is not having it. Is not having any of this. And Lighthope is, you are behaving erratically. And we to have... To bear the power of Shira is an, an honor. honor. And then we have... Adora talking about why, you know, like this is her big chosen one moment. Yeah, yeah it's the refusing the call moment, right? Mm-hmm. Like, don't I get a choice? What ha- happens to me? You know, mm-hmm. you know, the read me the signs, tell me my fortune, you know. Yeah, yeah. Don't I get a choice? Don't I get a choice? And Light Hope says, no, yeah. this is your destiny. Yeah. You, you do get- not choose, you were chosen. And that's it. Adora has had enough. She walks out. And this is my next Professor Schmuckery yeah, and, moment. And Light Hope, this is a small thing that it's going to matter later. Light Hope says, Adora, where are you going? And then she says to herself after Adora leaves, it is happening again. And that leads to my next Professor yes, Schmuckery moment. Yes, go. This is about, we're talking about more David Lynch, guys. We are talking about Twin Peaks. Another area that I know nothing about. It's all you. So that cut right there, the... It is happening again. Will be relevant in a moment. So Twin Peaks is an American mystery serial drama uh, uh, TV show that was created by Mark Frost and David Lynch uh, in 1990. It ran for two seasons and was canceled in 1991. There was a whole bunch of other stuff. Like there was also a film. We have Twin Peaks, Firewalk With Me, which takes place before the story of Twin Peaks. Prequel. Prequel. It's a, yeah, so we have the prequel. Uh, and then we had a third season that was released by Showtime in 2017, which was essentially eight separate two-hour movies. Um, it's fucking awesome. Twin Peaks is one of my favorites. Uh, it's wild. So here's a little high level of Twin Peaks. So ostensibly, it's a murder mystery. So uh, Special Agent Dale Cooper, who is a special agent for the FBI and may or may not, aka definitely, has some psychic powers comes to this town, uh, Twin Peaks, Washington, 
to help the local police solve the murder of a homecoming queen and everyone's favorite girl in the town, Laura Palmer. So eventually it's revealed that she was murdered by, spoiler alert, her father. But it wasn't her father. He was actually possessed by a supernatural ancient evil that is known to inhabit the area. And this supernatural ancient evil is known as Bob. Dude's Bob. Oh my God. I love that. So then the story then becomes kind of investigation of where this supernatural evil comes from. And then shit just gets fucking weird. Like really weird from there. Like the show is super surreal, super aesthetic. Like it weaves all these different kinds of like, of genres together of like drama and comedy and soap opera and, you know, police procedural. Like it's wild. Um, there are also a whole bunch of other stories about the townspeople that kind of reveal the weirdness, sweetness, sexiness, cruelty, and connections to the deep knowledge of the supernatural and the universe of Small Town USA. So, why this? Why did it remind me of this? So, in this particular scene, this, we have the camera focused on, so I want to kind of describe Light Hope. So in this particular scene, the camera's focused on Light Hope from the shoulders up and with a deadpan voice looking head on saying, it is happening again. There is an exact scene in Twin Peaks in season two, episode seven, where Dale Cooper, special agent Dale Cooper, the detective, has a vision of a very tall, bald man in a bow tie looking same cut shoulder up straight at the camera saying it is happening again. So... Cool. It's a, you know, Twin Peaks is a cult classic. Yes. It's been, cr- it's crazy influential on everything from like the X-Files, Gravity Falls, Riverdale. Uh, and, you know, in the show notes, I'm going to include the timestamp for the Light Hope um, okay. is happening again and the scene in Twin Peaks. So you guys can see, you know, cool. The, de- the, that connection. sounds fun. Yeah. yeah. I so, definitely know that Twin Peaks is a cult classic. Yeah. I think the reason I I think I watched the first episode once. I think the reason I never got into it was because I just found it really hard to follow. It's yeah. I mean, it's the David Lynch in general. His stuff is like super, super surreal, surreal. I've seen some of his movies. I watched Mulholland Drive when it came out. Yeah. His. Yeah. And it was cool, but it was like confusing. Super surreal, super nonlinear, dark. Yeah. Like kind of. I'm usually like a nonlinear person. Yeah. Maybe like. This was like beyond me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very, very symbolic, very, you know, heavy symbolism, heavy, you know. It's awesome. I love I love David Lynch. Um, but you know, it's Yeah, no, I mean I, I think everyone should should definitely check it out. Like things become cult classics because they have staying power. Absolutely. So yeah. So and that that particular that particular scene was just like so head on. So Cool. That was my second Professor Snorpey moment about another David Lynch. Awesome. These are clearly influences on the show. Deeply influences on the show. Absolutely. Very cool. And so, I had three smaller points that I wanted to dig into from, awesome. from that little speech, because I think it's so core to Chosen One mythology and to the show. Yes. Um, the first one is um, about when Light Hope said they made the sword so it would only respond to one of their own kind. Mm-hmm. We've already talked about this a little. It made me wonder if um, when Adora shatters the sword mm-hmm. at the end of season four, maybe um, she was only able to shatter it because it was a false sword. And maybe the sword that she's able to conjure in oh. season five is the true Ethereum sword 
Oh. And that it shows her as well. Yeah. That was made of true magic. Oh. It's a possibility. I love that. I don't know. It could be. That's very Dune, yeah, too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I never saw saw our red Dune. But no, I mean, like, yeah. what we were talking about earlier about, like, you know, right, is, like, the, is the savior from the outsider right, actually exactly, the outsider? Exactly. Yeah. Um, which sort of ties into the second much bigger point, the line, you do not choose, you were chosen. Mm-hmm. So the use of the passive voice, you were chosen. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, mistakes were made. Like, right. Who, yeah. Who made the mistakes? Who made the mistakes? Yes, that's yeah. the passive voice. So right. like chosen by whom? So, you know, the question is, well, the first ones chose you. They wanted one of their own to be in charge of this planet that they colonized. Right. But it is also true that the princesses of Etheria chose her and the sword chose her. Yes. And, you know, that was the first one's sword. But then after she breaks that sword, the true sword also chose her. Right. So... You know, and she, at a certain point, has the agency to choose to accept that role herself. So there's many layers of choosing. Oh, I love that. Um, and, you know, I think that's a big part of this story mm-hmm. is the agency yes. of choosing. I would agree. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, it's complicated and there's layers. And then the last smaller thing is Adora's question, why did Mara do this? And Lighthope says, well, it's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And as you pointed out, that's a shady answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, what types of systems, governments, etc., tell us that context is irrelevant and discourage questions about why things are how they are? I have an answer for that. Tell me the answer. Is it fascism? It's fascism. Bum, bum, bum. You just do what we say and you don't ask questions. Yep. So that that's that. I'm ready to move on to Glimmer's room. Oh my god, that was so heavy. That was a lot of heavy stuff. There was a lot of heavy stuff. There's a lot of there's a lot of smart brain stuff. There's. I mean, we just saw, uh, you know, Baby Adora come through the portal, and she just saw it, and she just saw it. So it's a really big heavy moment. Yeah, and now, yeah, wow, and now she knows she's an alien. Alien. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is wild shit. Yeah, she's. They never use the word alien, but she's. She knows she's from another world. Right. Yeah. Damn. It's a lot of heavy stuff. It's so, a lot of heavy stuff. So, you know. So now we're back to our best buddies in Glimmer's room, mm. fretting over Adora. Yep. After all these big heavy truth bombs have yeah. been dropped on her. These are good friends. These are really, really good friends. The best. You know. And if Glimmer's like, we shouldn't have let her talk to Adora, I can't even imagine what she's feeling. Yo, neither can we, dude. Yeah, no. This is wild. This is serious chosen one stuff. And, you know... Adora comes in, and of course they rush right to her. You okay? And, you know, Adora answers, and, and, you know, the way all of us would, like, I'm not sure. (laughs) But I know what I have to do. Yep. And so she needs to find her own answers. Mm -hmm. She's going to the source, which is Mara's message, which is in the Crimson Waste. The Crimson Waste, you say? Yes. And it will be incredibly dangerous, and Bo and Glimmer do not have to come. But of course they're going to come. Of course they're going to come. Do you think that they could get, you know, they're not going to stay behind. No, wholesome gay hugs all around. I wonder if we're going to hear about the Crimson Waste again in this episode. I don't know, man. 
I don't so, know who else would want to go to such a place. Who else would want to go to such a place? Let's so, shimmy on over to the Fright Zone and find go, out. Let's go shimmy there. And we have another, this is another one of those mirror scenes coming up mm-hmm, about, mm-hmm. you know, Adora's life versus Catra's life and mm-hmm. how Adora's life is about support. Mm-hmm. Catra's is about punishment. Mm-hmm. And so we see Catra, it, you know, coming into the throne room and, you know, it's like. Being led so dramatically so in dramatic. handcuffs. You can't, you know, you know. Hordak is on high, so high that he's teeny, 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 tiny, you know, <laughs> yep. and, you know, the, the room, the, the, the carpet on the way is lined with soldiers all standing at attention. Yep. And it's and just everyone is in identical, uh, identical so- soldier outfits with identical helmets, except for like the five people who we know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who like, who are like, no, we don't have to wear helmets. Yes, yeah. We want to see our friends. Yeah. We want to see the powerhouse polycule. We want to see Scorpia. Mm-hmm. And they all look super uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, everyone knows that this isn't right. Yeah. Yeah. But this it's is, fascism. But it's fascism, so you know. we can't say anything. Right, exactly. Big shit's about to go down. And Hordak makes a big dramatic speech about what a huge, gigantic failure Catra is and how it should be a lesson to everyone else. Even though, like, we all know that it's all a lie. That right. Catra has done such a good job. Yeah. As Hordak's second in command. Right. And, like, he doesn't do shit. He just sits around. He just sits around his emo in his lab, being all emo with his ippy-dippy, his emo-dippy hair. And yeah. And his little imp. His little imp. And so while he's in the middle of, you know, his public humiliation, getting his jollies off, mm-hmm. Catra just snaps. Yeah, she's got nothing to lose. No. So she's like, <laughs> you're the failure. Yep. And, you know, Catra, because Catra understands, you know, power dynamics. Catra understands people. Mm-hmm. And Catra understands that, you know, you need me just like you need a Shadow Weaver because you don't, you just hide in your lab. You don't actually handle the day to day. You have no idea how to run this place. In fact, you kind of don't do shit. Maybe that's why you can't defeat a group of teenagers. And, you know, Scorpio's like, oh, God, dude, no. Oh, yeah. Dude. You know. Scorpio gasps. Yeah. Yeah, I Audibly. mean, everyone is like, what Yeah, the they have never seen anything like this before. There's like a cut to like Lonnie and Kyle and Rogelio, and they both are kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, I mean, They don't shit. know what's going to happen. Yeah, nobody knows what's going to happen, because people won't do this to Hordak. No. And... Yeah, and you know, he, his hands shake for a minute, and he squeezes his fist. I'm frankly surprised that he managed to keep his temper at all. Me too, me too. Even though he had made a plan... I'm surprised he stuck to it, but he did. He did. He made a plan and damn it, he stuck to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, <laughs> and Hordak is like, save your little speech. There has yes. been a change of plan. Yes. <laughs> Enter Entrapta. I love this. Hi, Catra. I saved your life. You're welcome. I love that. And Catra's like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Huh? And, you know, Hordak lets us know that instead of the many punishments I intended for you, you are being sent to retrieve first ones tech for them. Not more first ones tech, because, you know, just, just you know, just go get some first ones tech The for specific us. signal yeah. that Entrapta has also mentioned right. that is coming from the, the Crimson, Crimson Waste. Waste. And what, Catra is going to the Crimson Waste too? 
No way. I wonder if they're going to find the same thing that the Best Friend Squad is going to find. What could possibly go wrong? What could be out there? Oh, my God. I don't know. I guess we'll find out in the next episode. I guess we'll find out in the next episode. That's the end. That's the end. That's the end. The end of the episode. End of the episode. Woo. Woo. Well, folks, if you liked what you heard and you want to understand where you really come from, you can like and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast fix. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at HeyAdoraCast. Or you can email us all of your recommendations at HeyAdoraCast at gmail.com. Hey, Jenny. Hey, Meth. Did you know we have a Patreon? I love our Patreon. I love our Patreon, too. I love hanging out on our Discord. I know. It's the most fun place to talk to our patrons about cool Shira fan art and all of their cool projects. So awesome. So awesome. And, you know, live watches. Yes. I love doing live watches with our patrons. Like Facebook group. Yep. Oh, you get to vote on on what our live watches yep. are. We watch the old show and we watch the new show and it's ridiculous. So awesome. So you can find the link to our Patreon and hang out with us and so get so so much more as well as the link to this week's spotify playlist the price of power power in our show notes or at heyadora.gay that's right you can find all of our things at heyadora.gay everything and remember queer joy is radical and queer love saves the universe ow 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 power Wah ha ha ha!